Well, good evening and welcome. With uh, Pastor Josh being away this evening, we won't have any music. Unless I were to sing a cappella to you, which I, I don't want to bless you in that kind of a way. <laughs> uh, so we're going to just go right into our Bible study and um, just trust God to, to bless this evening's word. Uh, if we could just open our Bibles, I'm going to read a portion and then we're going to open in prayer as we go forward and it is in Malachi chapter 2 verse 17 uh, into chapter 3 up to verse 7 and it reads like this you have wearied the Lord with your words but you say how have we wearied him by saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be, be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you... O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and contributions. And so, Father God, we just come before you right now. As we open up your word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us in your truth, that, Lord, you would open up our understandings. Be upon my thoughts and my lips, O God, that only your word spoken would be spoken. And that, Lord, that... Nothing outside of what you desire to be said would be said in the name of Jesus, Lord. Be with us now as we just move verse upon verse to hear what you would say to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we've been looking at this book of Malachi. We've been looking at the prophet. And of course, it's one of the minor prophets, not because his word is any lesser than. If, you've, if you recall, when we went into the book of Haggai, it was another minor prophet, but not because his message was little, not because his message had lesser importance, but because it was a shorter book. 
Haggai 2 chapters, Malachi 4. And so the message is shorter, but the message is equally as important. And here tonight we open up with verse 17. You have wearied the Lord. You have wearied the Lord. Have you ever looked around in society as we're living it today and see all that the injustice that is going on and wonder where is God in all of this injustice? And then you see those that seem to be just living their life any old way, shape, or form, and they seem to be enjoying their life. They seem to be blessed. And you say to yourself, but God, where are you in all of this? Why does it seem like the evil are prospering? Why does it seem that injustice is prevailing? And here we open up with verse 17. That's the backdrop of of this text that we just read. That there is, the the people of the Lord is saying, where is God in all his justice? And so Malachi here in these verses, once again exposes Israel's inner rebellion against God. And he sends a message to them. They've been hiding their sin. They've been giving excuses upon excuses for the things that they've been doing. But God is peeling away the layers. You see, with the Lord, we could say, oh, but God, it's because. With one another, we could say, well, um, I'll give this up once I'm able to get stronger in this area. And we make excuses for ourselves. But the Lord, in all of his justice, in all of his purity, And in his desire to see us transformed, to be more and more like him, he removes the layers. And so here we see that Israel's layers are being peeled back. And the priest that had um, been having some excuses, and actually let's look at those excuses that the priests were making uh, as as, um, the Lord was peeling back their layers. They had failed in a number of important areas. They failed to walk in the pathways of personal holiness. They weren't walking in in that personal holiness before the Lord. They failed to evangelize. They failed to turn people from sin. In fact, the way they were living was more or less encouraging people in their way of sin. They, they weren't turning them uh, from sin. They were turning them from truth because their lifestyle was, wasn't pairing up with the way God would have them to live. They violated their covenant before God. And, they, um, and, the, and the covenant that they had made with their forefathers, they weren't being true to their promises with God. Instead, they were just living as they please. And you know what? They failed in their love towards God. They failed in their heart and how they practiced that love. Why? Because they had given of themselves to women of foreign gods. And God's looking upon them and and saying, you know what, if my people could give of themselves to women of foreign gods, how much more, if they are going to violate their love towards the wife of their youth, how much more would they violate their love towards me? And so that adultery that they committed on their wives, God was paralleling it. If this is, uh, if their marriage is a reflection of their relationship with me, they have failed in their love and their commitment of covenant. 
And so the priests, we come to this turning point of verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? How have we wearied him? And how did they weary him? Every time he confronted them with something, if, I'll just call it out, it won't come up on the, on the screen, but it says, um, he said to them in, in chapter one, I have loved you. And they said, how have you loved us? And then he said um, in chapter two, uh, you say, um, you've despised my name. Well, how have we despised your name? You, you, have, um, you have despised my name. You have polluted my altar. But how have we polluted your altar? And so every time they've been confronted with something, he's come, they've come back. But how have we done that? You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him? Everyone does evil and is good. Uh, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or by asking, where is the God of justice? They were dis- depressed, they were discouraged, because as they looked around, it seemed like the wicked were prospering. It seemed like the wicked were getting ahead, and they were being treated better than the godly, and it caused them to have doubt and unbelief. Has that not happened to you or I? Have you not looked upon a person that seems to be excelling and going ahead? They don't even serve God, acknowledge God. They don't go to church. They don't pray. And yet they are excelling. Oh, they seem to have a nice car, nice house. Oh, they seem to have nice clothes or posh. Everything about them looks rich. And every month you're counting your pennies and, and you're lining everything up to make sure everything is within budget and, and you're looking at your situation and you're feeling as though, why am I poor and I'm a child of the king, I'm a child of God. And them, they don't even acknowledge God, they don't even care for God and they seem to be doing so well. Has it not ever crossed your mind? Am I the only person that has ever wondered? Come on, let's just, just be truthful. Yeah, so true. And this was the predicament that they were in. They were seeing that those who were doing evil seemingly in their mind had a good standing with God. But it wasn't so. And so they, they, they felt as though the wicked were prospering and had a better life. And it caused them to be filled with doubt. It caused them to grumble before God. And they're like, everybody who does evil is good in the sight of God. And then when they compared themselves with what they had versus what those that were doing evil had, their question was, where is God? Where is God? And you know what? I have to say that in that question, I have to put myself in that text. God, where are you? When I feel as though I'm doing what your word says I should be doing, when I'm living how your word says I should be living, why does it seem that this looks better for them? They compared themselves and they challenged God's justice and they felt that it was unfair. And they felt that God was blessing others more than them. And as their beloved, they felt 
they should be the one receiving these blessings. They felt that they should be the one that were walking in what appeared to be prosperity per se. But you know what? It reveals their heart. And it reveals you and I. Not only does it, it reveal their heart, but it reveals that the Lord is wearied by it. He's tired by it. It shows how much his people have been resisting his truth. Because the truth is that the Lord is working even though we don't always see it. His promises were going to come to pass. And it says, have you, have you ever considered the expression, I'm sick and tired? Have you ever heard that expression, I'm sick and tired? You know, we have to stop saying that because we're going to be sick and tired. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and said, oh, I'm just so tired. And guess what? The whole day you're tired. Well, it was out of the fruit of your own mouth that you declared how your day should go. Anyways, um, this, this, this comment, I'm sick and tired, would accurately be what applies to this weariness. You have wearied the Lord. You have tired the Lord with this, where is your God? You've tired him because he's come back and answered you. I have loved you. Where have you loved us? They were saying to the Lord, how will we know that God's justice is going to start how will we know that god is going to be just verses one uh chapter three verses one to four says behold i will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the lord of hosts but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of levi and find them like gold and silver and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord the first thing that Malachi is, go is doing here is he is defending God Malachi remember his name means God's messenger and so God through the mouth of Malachi is bringing his defense of these of these false accusations and in other words Israel listen to me Listen to me, God is just. You might not see it right now, you might not even understand it right now, but God is just. Not only that, his justice is just not yet been fully revealed. You don't see it because it hasn't been fully revealed, but don't doubt that he is not just. And then the question may be, well then when will it be revealed? When will his justice be revealed? His justice will be revealed when I send my messenger. I'm going to send my messenger. We've all complained, right? That the, 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 the reward, the wicked seem to be rewarded. But God is going to send his messenger and God is, is saying, I'm going to set things right with this messenger with with my messiah who is the messenger that god is speaking about that he is going to send 
before this Messiah comes that is going to set everything in order, there will be a messenger. And who is this messenger? Matthew 11, verse 10. It says this. Tis, it, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. John the Baptist. If you haven't figured it out. It's John the Baptist who is this messenger. Mark 1 verse 2 says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. And here's the key. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. That's how we come to know that this messenger that God is going to send, that is going to prepare, Prepare the way for the, the one that will bring the justice is John the Baptist because John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And so this is what Malachi is saying. There's going to be a messenger that's coming and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah who is going to make all things right. You see, in ancient days, what would happen before the king was going to come into the town, there was one that would go before and would say, prepare the way, prepare the way. And in other words, remo remove all the roadblocks, get, get the way of the road clear because there's one coming and that one coming is the king. And so the king is going to come, and when he comes, he will establish his throne. And so this is what the scripture is saying when it, when it says to us in, in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, Behold, I will send my messenger. Where is the God of justice? Well, this is where the God of justice is. I'm sending my messenger, and he is going to prepare the way before me. When it says before me, it's referring to God. Isaiah 40 verses 3 to 5 say it like this. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken so where is the God of justice oh oh you're looking at their prosperity of what appears to be right now you're looking at what appears to be me saying evil is good but no 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 I am sending my messenger and he is going to prepare the way He's going to prepare the way. What had to happen was they were looking more to what God said he would do through the prophet Haggai. What did he say to the prophet Haggai? Some of those promises were, what, they were chosen? They, they, he, he, he promised that he would bless them. Haggai verses 1, uh, 13. Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. Hey, uh, uh, verse 19, verse 23. He said he would bless them. They were his chosen ones. And so these are what they are remembering. They remember what, what the prophet Haggai spoke. 
Through Zechariah, he promised that he would be a what? A wall of fire around them, that he would be the glory in their midst. And then what he promised that their king would come. If you were to go to Zechariah 9 verse 9, what does it say? Zechariah 9 verse 9. Let me just quickly turn there to read it to you. And it says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteousness and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a coat, the fowl of a donkey. And so they're remembering the promises. But they're expecting because they haven't yet seen as though Injustice is prevailing. Where is God's justice? Where is he? And so he promised that this king would come. So in order for everything to take place, in order for this promised king to come the way that he needed, had to be prepared. There had to be a a messenger that was going to be the forerunner. The messenger was going to say, prepare the way of the Lord. The king is coming. And that messenger was John the Baptist. And we know now, having the full picture, we know all that John the Baptist had done. So preparing the way of the Lord is God speaking through Malachi that he himself would come with the full covenant. He himself would come. And, and, and that's referring to the Lord himself before me. When he says that it was before me, he is referring to he himself. He's speaking through Malachi, but it's not Malachi who is the me. It is the Lord himself. Jesus is coming to his temple as a fulfillment of the old test uh, the old covenant he's going to bring in this new covenant and he's going to institute it and so he says who can endure this day of the coming of the lord who could endure it because it's not the messenger that's needed to to endure it the messenger is not the, the one saying behold the king is coming make way of the king he's not the one that has to endure it but it's those priests It's those ones that we just looked at and the way that they were living. Why? Because they had not lived upright. Remember, they had not led people to the truth. They had led people from the truth because they were not living the example. And remember last week we looked at the priests in, in the illustration of we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's you and I. How many of us are living as examples of the Lord before people that are drawing people to God. We, we take the example here as the priests and rightfully so as, as those that were leading the people or in our days we use the terms pastor but you and I can't exempt ourselves from that example. You and I can't exempt ourselves from that godly lifestyle of being fully devoted to the Lord. You see, those priests committed adultery in that they were going to other lovers of other gods. But how many times have you and I committed adultery in our walk before the Lord when we have given our love to something else rather than giving it to God? 
So while the finger pointing in, in the text is to the priest, and while today we take the term of priest as pastor, don't exempt ourselves. We cannot exempt ourselves as though, oh, that only is referring to the leaders. It's also referring to you and I. How are you living that you are leading the example? How is your life saying, prepare the way of the Lord? How is your life saying the king is coming? How is your life demonstrating that others want to say, yes, yes, clear the way. God is coming. Justice is coming. How are you living? If you remember our series of the refiner's fire, it, it goes on of um, verse the latter part of verse 2, for he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's hope. If you recall our series on the refiner's fire, you'll remember that the refiner looked into the furnace. It looked into the pot. And the refiner knows as he's looking into the pot the process in which that I, that silver is at. And as he is watching that silver in the fire, he is raising the temperature of the fire, lowering the temperature of the fire, raising it again. And what is he doing? Carefully skimming away all of the drouse that is on that silver. As it rises to the surface, the Lord you are seeking the Lord that you want to know. It says here in verse, um, the, the beginning, uh, I'm sorry, the reflection is causing me not to be able to see. Verse, the beginning of verse 1, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. This Lord that you are seeking, do you realize that he is a refiner's fire? Do you realize that he is a fire? Therefore, when you are seeking him, know that he's going to come to you like a fire as one who is going to burn away the drouse in your life that does not give the reflection of who he is. So when others look at you, they should see a reflection of Christ. They should see an image of God. They should see one who is set apart, one who is different. And so when we see that the Lord is going to appear, we have to know the Lord in whom we are seeking, he is a fire. So if I am seeking him, I have to know that his fire is going to come into my life and it is going to clean away the drouse within my life. It is going to cause the impurities of my life to come to the surface to be removed. Therefore, if you're seeking to the Lord, know that you are seeking a fire and that fire is going to put you through a test not to cause you to look negative, not to say, oh my goodness, look at all the bad in that person's life. But you see, it's only the refiner that sees the drought that comes to the surface. When you're in the crucible, when you're in the fire, it's only the refiner that sees that drought that comes to the surface because what is the ultimate goal? That his reflection would be seen. Therefore, if you're seeking God, know that you're going to go 
into the fire. Know that you're going to go through the fire of purging. Why? Because he is looking to transform you. He was looking to transform his priest. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He sits, if you could imagine him sitting in front of that fire and carefully watching it, know this, he, he sits before you and carefully watches. He's not going to let you be consumed in a way that is going to display you, that's going to embarrass you. He's going to watch over that fire so that the refining reflects him. No matter what you go through, if you are going through it with Jesus, know that it will reflect Jesus. This is why we have heard so many times, and all that they are going through, I can't believe how strong they are. They seem to be going through problem after problem, and yet God has just been with them all the way. Why? Because though you are going through the fire, you are doing exactly that. You are going through the fire. The Lord is not going to leave you in that place to be embarrassed. But where is their God? That's how we want to, to believe that they, like these. But where is the God of justice? God is working in your life because he is purifying you so that you could stand when the day of his coming is. What about the fuller soap? Well, the fuller soap demonstrates the cleansing of the robes. Have you ever seen in the old movies them on the washing board scrubbing the clothes, scrubbing the clothes and putting the soap in? The idea of the fuller soap is this, the, the robes being washed and scrubbed to be cleansed, the, the robes of the priest to be cleansed, right? Because he will put on us robes of righteousness. He takes away our filthy clothes and he puts on us robes of righteousness. He takes away those clothes that marked us to a lifestyle that was marred with sin and, de- and, and debauchery, that, a, a lifestyle that did not reflect him, and he puts on his robe. Is this not what happened when the prodigal son came home? He had been out living just the way that he wanted, enjoying all of his inheritance. The father had not yet even gone, but he wanted his inheritance. And he went out and he squandered it until he found himself eating in the pig slop. How could I be in this type of a mess? When my father's servants are even living better than me, and when he returned home, what was the first thing that was put upon him? Go and get my robe, go, and, and then he had a ring. Why? To display that the Father had welcomed him. The Lord will cleanse us. All the impurities would be burned away. So here, these priests in, in whom is being reflected, they will have all of their impurities burned away. They would be that gold or that silver in the fire, And now what they would bring before the Lord would be lives of righteousness. 
Is God just? Yeah. He's going to purify the leaders. He's going to purify the priests so that they could be that reflection before the people, so that the people could be desirous to live after God, so that the people could be desirous to prove, to, uh, to pursue God. And so first it was going to go to the leaders. And then the, the, the soap, that washing detergent, that reflection that he is going to put on us, those robes of righteousness, those clothes without blemish, those clothes that are without dirt. Have you ever worked in your garden and you come in and your clothes are completely dirtied? Sweaty, you have the sweat marks, the salt marks on your shirt from where everything sweated out, all the impurities of, have, has it happened to anyone? You've worked in your garden, you sweat so much, and then you take your shirt off, and as it dries, it has little white marks. You know what it was? It's the salt in your skin. Why? Because as you sweated, the impurities came out. If you could work in the garden and that sweat cause all that impurity come out of your skin and then leave a mark, you know what? The Lord takes those rags that are all marked up showing all of the dirt of what you've been doing and he closes you with robes of righteousness. He takes the fuller soap, like the refiner's fire and like fuller soap. And he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. The promise is this, that Lord that you're seeking, that Lord that you're desiring to come, that Lord that you want to see come and bring justice because you're saying, where is the justice of God? Guess what? He's a refining fire. And guess what? When he comes, he refines you. All those areas of your life that maybe you've hidden from others, all those areas of your life that need to see his fire will go through the fire and he will purge. He will bring out all of that drouse. But the beautiful thing that when he brings out all of that drouse and that sweaty shirt is removed and that salt that is on the shirt is taken off, then the clean robes of righteousness go on. Like when you come in and you have that shower after working in that sun and working in that dirt and making your planting, it feels good that you have the clean clothes on. He is going to purify those priests and their offerings before him. They will bring offerings of righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and the former years. He says, return to me. Then I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. And what does it look like? I will draw near to you for judgment and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the higher worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord. All the ways in which you used to live, the sorcerer, the witchcraft ways, all, the adulterers, the ways you weren't faithful, all of that, 
Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be swift to to um, witness against that. If it were possible for God to change in his love towards us, in his mind about us, then we would be consumed. If it was possible that he would see the way we were living in sorcery, in adultery, and in not regarding those, that the widow, as he said, and not regarding the fatherless, then we would be fully consumed. But because of his love and because of his grace, he does not change. His love for us is everlasting. Therefore, the Lord's unchanging love for Israel should have made them obedient, should have made them want to submit, should have made them want to surrender and turn from their ways. And that's what was happening. They were caught in their life and they had to turn from their ways. And he says to them, return to me. Return to me and I'm going to return to you. Come to me. Come to me. I'm asking for your repentance. I'm calling out for your repentance. Those of you who once committed to walk with me, those of you who once committed to living covenant with me, those of you who once were serving me, I'm asking you, return to me. Remember, they have given themselves to women of foreign gods. Therefore, where did they meet these women? At their parties, we learned last week. And God say, no, return to me. Return to that place of relationship with me. How can we make it relevant to us today in that we return to the way? And you remember when you first gave your heart to the Lord? Do you remember when you first surrendered to live for him? Do you remember how you would read his word and it seemed as though everything you read was talking directly to you? And you said, oh, Lord, I promise. And you made vows before the Lord how you would serve him, how you would read his word, and how often you would pray. And the Lord is saying, return to me. Why? Because we've swayed from those promises that we've made to him. Why? Because we have gone out into our own ways in our own house. Once upon a time, we would depend upon him for everything. We would call upon him, Lord, I'm needing strength in this area. Lord, I'm needing direction in this area. Lord, I need your, your, your counsel. But now instead we go to a friend and we say, hey, what do you, and, and we seek out our friend's counsel. Oh, now instead when, when we're feeling tired, we, well, we just put up our feet and put on a movie. When once upon a time we would say, oh, Lord, I just need your strength. I just need your mercy. And we would read his word and we would walk away refreshed. You see, God is saying to the priest, return to me. But he's saying to you and I, you remember when you first fell in love with me? You remember when you first met me? Remember when, when, when you first asked me to be your Lord and your Savior? Remember how you felt when I came and I forgave you of your sins? And you felt that cleansing. You felt like you were brand new. You felt like everything in your life had changed. Remember how you cried in that sense of when I came over you with my presence? Do you remember that? I'm asking, return to that place with me. Return to your first love. You see, if we lived in the way that we promised, 
We wouldn't be finding ourselves like these. But where's the God of justice? Why do all these people seem to be excelling in getting ahead? We would be saying, I know my day's coming. I know the day's coming when the Lord's going to show up. And boy, when he shows up, I'm going to be the first one in line. Right? He says, return to me. I'm just asking you to commit your walk with me. Walk in covenant with me. And I will return to you the blessings. I will pour out a marking upon your life that is going to show that I am God. Simple, right? Repentance. Just turn around. That's it. That's it. It's not as simple. Repentance. Why do I have to always be the one to admit when I'm wrong? That's what we say. Why do I? But God, what about them? When, when we feel the conviction of God working upon our life, right away we look at another person's life and we, well, well I'm not as bad as. No, return to me. He's speaking out to us. Israel's rebellion has been exposed. God's been telling Israel, return to me, return to me, and I'm going to return to you. They're in a relationship with God, and God is saying, look, if you're going to think you can live out your relationship with me the way you did with the bride of your youth, no, repent, return to me, come back, come back to your former way with me. Their hearts said, how shall we return? How shall we return? And you know what? We're going to pick that up next week. How shall we return? Because he touches on an area that everybody says ouch to. He touched on their pocketbook. He touched on their tithes and their offering. We'll just read it, but we're not going to unfold it this this week. He says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are you not not consumed? For the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Verse 8, I didn't give it to the back, but verses 8 to... Um, 8 to 12 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will, be, it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts." Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. How have we robbed you? How have we robbed you? So we're going to unpack that next week. But the Lord this week bids us, would you come back to me? Would you come back to me? In other words, the Lord whom you seek 
He will suddenly appear. But you need to know that this Lord that you're seeking, he's a fire. And when he shows up, he burns away everything and anything that does not reflect him. So when you're in an environment that needs to change, when you look upon yourself and you see change happening, or you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you in areas of your life, maybe it's in your thoughts, maybe it's in your actions, maybe it's in your habits, know this, that's the fire of God that you're seeking. That's the God in whom you're seeking. <clears throat> when you say, God, won't you come? God, won't you demonstrate yourself in my life? God, won't you reveal yourself to me? Remember, when you're praying these things, this God in whom you are seeking, when he shows up, he is a fire, a consuming fire, and he will burn away everything and anything that is in the way of reflecting who he is in you and through you. It shouldn't make you afraid to pray for him to come. It shouldn't make you afraid for him to use you or reveal himself to you because know this, on the other side of it is a better you that reflects him. Is a better you that draws other to, to him rather than drawing others from him. Well, if that's their God, I don't want anything to do with him. Is that the God you serve? then I don't want anything to do with him. But rather that they look upon you and say, wow, wow, I want to know their God. I want to know their God. I want to experience the experience that they've encountered. Have you ever sat at the feet of somebody who has been in such a close relationship with God that when you walk away, you say, Lord, I just want to taste a little bit of what they've experienced with you. You see, sometimes we want the position that people have with God, but we don't like the journey that got them there. And tonight you have to know this, the God in whom you seek will suddenly appear but he is a consuming fire and he comes with fuller soap and he's going to cleanse you. He's going to burn away all that doesn't reflect him. Why? Because he wants to ultimately do what? Reflect the Messiah, that's himself, that will draw all to him. That all may know what? That he is the Christ. That all may come to repentance. So tonight, as we just close out our, our Bible study portion and we go into the time of prayer, and we say, Lord, send your fire. Lord, send your fire. Lord, would you come and show yourself strong? Lord, would you come and reveal yourself? Remember what it looked like for the priests. It looks the same for you and I. That shouldn't make us afraid. That should make us anticipate the great things that he is going to do. Your faces don't convince me, but I'm just going to take it as a convincing. Father God, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, sometimes knowing you 
And sometimes just pursuing who you truly are in our life may make us feel uncomfortable. Lord, in fact, it may make us afraid. Some people are afraid to pursue you because they're afraid of your fire. But Lord, you are the one who sits in front of the fire. You don't turn on the fire and leave us in it. Lord, you sit there and carefully watch over us that everything impure is drawn out, but we are not consumed by it. So Lord, tonight, would you suddenly appear in our prayer time? Would you suddenly show up, oh God? that we may just seek your face and experience you in a way that we've not experienced before. Lord, we thank you for the example of your word. And Lord, we thank you for what we have learned through Malachi. To live a life that doesn't question you, but that lives a life that is fully surrendered to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for those that welcomed us tonight online, we thank you for joining us and we welcome you here again this weekend for our married couples that might have watched us online Friday night. If you're planning to come, please send, respond to my email so we could properly prepare for you. Otherwise, we'll see you Sunday morning here at 10 o'clock a.m. God bless you and God be with you all.